Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday morning service here at the High Kirk in Stevenson. Now, beautiful sunny morning. Um, a special welcome this morning to Eve, our first Sunday at church. And it's good to have Jessica with us as well. And Murray too, obviously. And all the rest of the kids, I better know Miss Emdy. Uh, if you're visiting this morning, welcome. Uh, I hope you feel at home. And a very warm welcome too to those uh, listening at home. The usual sort of intimations, uh, refreshments are available after church through in St Monarch's Isle. And then on Wednesday was our busy day. Rainbow Club at 10, Prayer Fellowship at 10.30, Discipleship Group at 1 and Gilsey Brigade at 6. And then on Friday, 6.45 prayer time at St Monarch's Isle and then 7.30 the Revival Fellowship. And then next Sunday back there, beginning the cycle. I will hand over to Scott. Well, in Psalm 143, at verses 3 to 9, we read, Great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will, they will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Well, amen. Well, let's worship the Lord together as we sing in our opening choruses now. I know the children, you'll know these well. You can help us sing, the adults. So we're going to sing, this is taken from Psalm 100, I will enter his gates. And then we're going to sing, for I'm building a people of power. So let's worship together. <laughs> Yeah. 
the reason Sophie will now lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a new day, a new beginning and other chance to serve you. As we approach the season of Lent, help us to think more of Jesus and his love for us. We are sorry for all the times we have wandered away from you. Forgive us when we have not listened to your word and not obeyed your commandments. Help us to put right those things in our lives that we know are wrong. Thank you, Lord, that you chose us to be a part of your family, the church. Thank you that, thank you that we can meet in fellowship and find encouragement by being with other Christians. Lord, you are a generous God, always giving good gifts to your children. You have provided for all our needs. Let us be content with what we have. We would like to give to others as you have given to us. Lord, today we give you our lives and pray that you will help us to follow Jesus. In his precious name we pray. We will now say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. From thy kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today's Bible reading is taken from Exodus chapter 8, verse 25 to 30. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Adam and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said that would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure he does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. This is the word of God. To him be all the glory. Amen. Well, as you know, it's, it's the beginning of a new month and each month we learn a new hymn. But through February, we're not going to learn a new hymn. We're going to learn a new tune, a new uh, piece of music that is sung to a lot of the metrical psalms. Now, those who have any connection with the highlands, this will be a tune that's well known. 
Um, I grew up with this psalm tune, but I know that when I came down here, it wasn't as well known. And I thought, well, one of these Sundays, we're going to learn it. And the tune is called The Bays of Harris. Uh, based, of course, on the Isle of Harris, Reverend Alec Muir, uh, the late Reverend Alec Muir, wrote this tune. And it's a beautiful tune, and it goes to um, Psalm 23, Psalm 40, Psalm 63. So what I thought we would do over February, we're going to have a different psalm each week, a different metrical psalm, but we'll be singing it to the base of Harris, so you'll get to know the tune. Now, Ian, you're going <laughs> to play through the, the tune for us. It's a, it's a simple wee tune, and so hopefully you'll pick it up quite quickly. So we'll listen to the music, and then we'll join in. We'll keep our seats as we sing Psalm 40.
we return to our reading there in Exodus and in chapter 20, sorry, chapter 8. Well, as we continue in our series through Exodus, we're not going through a verse by verse or chapter by chapter, but we're looking at the great journey of Moses and the people of God as they go from bondage to blessing, as they go from slavery to Mount Sinai, as they go from a place of death into a place of life and joy. And so I want to remind you just here in our readings, as we go through Exodus, God has been revealing his plan to Moses. God's plan for 400 years. Remember, here's the Hebrews now in Egypt. God had promised many hundreds of years earlier that he was going to bring his people into the promised land. He promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now we find God's people in an alien land, in a strange land. And many had... Many were convinced that God had given up on them. That God was not with them any longer. That he had, somehow he's broken his promise. And so God meets with Moses to remind not just Moses but the people of God. I haven't forgotten you. I know what's going on in your life right now. I know what's been happening. I know your tears. I hear your cries. In the night hour when no one sees you, when you're there by your bedside and the tears in the dark just touch the floor, God says, I hear your, your cries. I see your tears. And God now responds to the cries of his people who were now in slavery, who were in bondage, who were carrying such heavy burdens. Now, one thing God doesn't do, though. When God comes to Moses, he reminds them, yes, of his presence with them. I will be with you. But God also reminds them of his covenant promises. He doesn't promise to make their life better in Egypt. God makes no promise of improving their life here in Egypt where God will sort out Pharaoh and get them better wages or get them a better lifestyle or give them better homes or make work a bit lighter for them. God makes no promises like that. He doesn't make a promise to improve their life in Egypt. But God's desire, and his desire has always been, to bring a people, his people, to himself. That they would dwell with him, and that he would be their God, and they would be his people. God's heart is to be with his people. And that they would know his presence, his power, his joy, his delight over them. That they would know freedom. And that they would have that freedom to worship him, to delight in him. 
And so God's plan now begins again. He's drawing his people. Moses himself is drawn out of the Nile. And then he begins to draw his people out to worship him. A people willing to follow him wholeheartedly. God isn't pushy. He invites his people to come on this journey to freedom. And as God calls upon a people who are willing to follow wholeheartedly, a people who are willing to leave Egypt, a people who desire to leave behind their bondages, their burdens, a people willing to follow the Lord, a people willing to surrender their whole heart to the Lord Jesus. People who will come and worship in spirit and in truth. That's who God is calling. The invitation goes out. God's covenant promise is being remembered again. I have not forgotten you, but it may be that you have forgotten me. And maybe through these 400 years, the people of Israel had forgotten their God. Many had already forgotten about Joseph and all the great things that had happened in their, in their life, in their history. But now, as well as God revealing his plan to Moses, we also notice that God reveals his power. He's going to reveal his power to Pharaoh. God declares here in chapter 8, and I love how God just comes and reminds Pharaoh, there is no one like me. There is not a God like me. I am the only true and living God. I'm the true and the living God. In Egypt, they worshipped idols and gods that were made of stone and they were dead idols. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't change your life. They couldn't transform your situation. They were dead. And they worshipped these dead idols. And God appears to Moses and he declares to Pharaoh, there is no one like me. You are going to see my power. And you're going to see my name proclaimed in all the earth. For there is none like our God. The one and only true God. Now in Egypt, at this time they had many, many gods that they claimed to worship. Allegedly, these gods could change your, your weather, your crops... They could do all sorts of things. And so, here God now comes. And when we read of the plagues, as we go through Exodus, we read of these plagues, the ten plagues. But the story here is not about ten plagues. And especially as we go through these chapters, the focus is not on these ten plagues. The focus is on God himself. Moses puts the light on God and says, look, there is none like him. Look at his power. 
Look at his presence. Look at our God. Behold your God. That's what Moses does here. He wants us to lift our hearts to the Lord. He wants us to look again and to put our trust in the true and the living God. To rededicate our lives to him. That's the heart of Moses for his people and for you and for me today. That our lives would be dedicated to the Lord. That wherever you are today, maybe you feel as if you've backslidden. Maybe you feel as if, Scott, do you know this? I was once more excited about my faith. I was once passionate about Jesus. I really did. When I was younger, oh, I loved hearing the stories of Jesus. And I loved praying. I loved reading my Bible. And I loved going to church. But now, oh, Scott, it's not quite the same. I feel as if my heart has maybe grown a bit colder towards these things. And my life is just clogged up with a whole lot of other priorities now. And so, when God comes to his people, he reveals himself to them in a wonderful way. There is none like me. And as I said, Moses, he wants us to behold God in these plagues. It's not about the ten plagues. But you'll notice, though, that these plagues that are mentioned, each plague has a god in Egypt ascribed to its name. Remember the, the plague where the Nile was turned to blood and then all the other streams and rivers that came off all turned to blood? Well, Egypt believed in their deity. Happy. He obviously wasn't happy that day. The god, the Egyptian god, happy. And... The guardian of the Nile, Kanum. The Egyptians worship these idols. And so when this plague comes, God challenges these dead deities, these Egyptian deities. It's as if there's a battle set up. Okay, it's like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Okay, let's see whose God is the true and the living God. And so here's now the the Egyptian God there of the Nile, the guardian of the Nile. And God, of course, shows his power. Then the frogs come, the plague of frogs. Egypt worshipped a, 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 a frog goddess called Hecate. She would have the head of a frog. And so here God comes against that Egyptian deity, Hecate, the goddess, the frog goddess. And go through all these plagues and you'll see the same again. The god Geb, who was the god over all the dust of the earth. And so, of course, we notice God comes against that god as well. With the plague of lice or, or gnats. And then, of course, comes the swarm of insects or flies. Again, against their god Kepri, who in Egyptian, when you see these pictures of these gods in the Egypt, it had a head of a fly, 
This was one of their gods. And so God comes again and again against these deities. The pestilence on the cattle, on the livestock. Well, that was the goddess Hathor, who often had the head of a cow in, in her image. And then you go through the plague of boils. Isis, who was the goddess of, of, of medicine and peace. And then, of course, the plague of loc- sorry, of hail mixed with fire. Well, of course, there was the Egyptian god of the skies, Nut. And then Seth, the god of storms and disorder and the protector of crops. So God comes in with a plague of, of locusts. And then, of course, the sun god, Ra. And God comes against that God too with a plague of darkness. And we're told that that darkness may even be felt. And so when we read of these plagues, these are not just things God sends out. He's getting at the heart of the Egyptian worship. They were worshipping false gods and just idols, things that were dead that brought no life at all. In fact, their lives were miserable. And so God comes against these deities and he goes to the heart even of their worship. A lot of these plagues that came spoilt the fun for the priests. Because some of these plagues caused the priests to be unclean so they couldn't lead the worship. And so the very heart of their worship was stopped. God interrupted even the worship of Egypt. And so as God humiliates these dead deities of Egypt, Pharaoh eventually acknowledges there is no one like him. And Pharaoh begins to compromise. Maybe there is something in this God, but he, oh, he's not willing to give up his own gods. He's not willing to give up on these idols that he had worshipped, that his family had worshipped, even although they did nothing for him, he wasn't willing to let go yet. And so as God humiliates the deities of Egypt with these plagues, we now notice how God humbles the proud Pharaoh. Poor Pharaoh. As these plagues came over Egypt, and that affected his own life and his own heart, his own family. He then offers repentance. He declares, I have sinned. But you know, his repentance was a false repentance. He was like Balaam. He was like Achan. He was like King Saul. He was like Judas. All who declared, yes, I've sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I've, I've made a mess. I've messed up, yes. But you know, for Pharaoh here, like many others, it was just a false repentance. Pharaoh wasn't sorry. He, he wasn't grieving over his sin. He was grieving over the consequences of his sin. That's all. He didn't like getting into trouble. He didn't like feeling miserable about the misery that he felt through his sins. His sins would make him 
just feel awful. They brought his heart down. They brought him down. And so he hated that feeling. So no wonder he was sorry. I don't like this feeling. And there are many who offer a false repentance. We say, God, I've sinned against you. But what we're really saying is, Lord, I hate this this feeling of misery. I don't like feeling sad. I don't like this feeling when I know I shouldn't have done that and I know I shouldn't have done that. But Lord, I just hate this feeling. Forgive me. But then we go back and we can go on sinning. And then we hate that feeling again. And, we're, and we say, Lord, I've sinned. That was Pharaoh. Pharaoh even said to Moses, he said, pray for me. I've sinned and my people are wicked. Your God is righteous. That's what Pharaoh said. Your God is righteous. Pray to your God to forgive me. Oh, you would think, oh Lord, that's it. Pharaoh saved. He's come to know the Lord. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be great to have him in your church? And maybe he'll tithe. Wow, the church will be all right for the future now. But you know, his heart wasn't in it. His heart wasn't in it. Yes, he asked Moses, oh, pray to your God. I know he's a righteous God. I know he's a a living God. It's obvious that he's living. He's alive. He's doing something here. Please, will you ask your God to forgive me? But I'm feeling miserable. And look at the mess of Egypt right now. Look at Cairo. Look at this mess that's, that's happened. <laughs> Poor Pharaoh. But you know, when we think of repentance, I often go back and I think of Job. Do you remember Job? Do you remember King David? Do you remember Nehemiah? They said... I have sinned as well. But you know this? They meant it. (laughs) They they meant it. When Job said, Lord, I've sinned, he knew that he had grieved the heart of God. King David, when he said to the Lord, I have sinned, David meant it. He knew that he had grieved the heart of God. He knew that God was not smiling on his life. David especially King David, his heart was to put a smile on God's face every day, that God would be happy with his life, that he would live for the Lord, that he would dedicate his life to God. But David, oh, when he sinned, he knew. And he wasn't just sorry for the misery that he felt. He wasn't saying, sorry, Lord, I'm feeling awful right now, so forgive me. Hopefully, you'll make me now feel a bit happier. No, David meant it. Nehemiah, when he prayed, Lord, I have sinned, he meant it. And the prodigal son, when he said, I have sinned, he meant it. The prodigal son meant it when he said, I have sinned, and he returned to his father. That's one thing you will not find in Pharaoh. He did not return. He did not come to God. He did not follow the Lord. Yes, he was sorry. But he did not come to his heavenly father to know that mercy and that grace and that love. No, he was, his heart actually grew harder. You know, we're told that the sunshine, it melts ice, but it also hardens clay. 
Pharaoh had a heart of, of clay. When God shone upon him, he just hardened. When God came, when God showed his power, Pharaoh just hardened. His heart was hardened. For others, when God's power comes upon a life, it can melt a heart. But for Pharaoh, we're told, his heart was hardened even more. But he was humbled. God humbled this proud Pharaoh. And notice Pharaoh's hard heart as he grew harder. He begins to negotiate with God. And he asks Moses to compromise. And this is really the bottom line for Pharaoh. He said, I'm going to let you worship then. Okay, God desires that you would, that you would worship him. And so for Pharaoh, he said, okay, go. Verse, chapter 8, verse 25, go. But don't go. <laughs> That's literally what Pharaoh said. Go, but don't go. That's how Pharaoh said you can worship God. And then in verse 28, we're told that Pharaoh said to them, okay, go. But don't go very far. Don't go very far. I will let you go. But you shall not go very far away. Don't go off the deep end. Don't get all fanatical about religion. Don't get all fanatical about Christianity. Or don't get all caught up with Jesus. Or don't be like these, these excitable Christians. You be a normal Christian. Go and worship, but don't go very far. Oh, don't be very expressive. Don't show, you know, just be a normal person. If you can worship God and be a normal person, go to church on a Sunday. But don't do anything during the week. Don't do any more than that. That was Pharaoh. Go and worship. Why not? Go to the High Kirk on a Sunday. Why not? But don't think about God at any other time, though. That's Sunday morning. Yeah, go on. Half ten, High Kirk. You'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. You'll hear a lovely Highland voice that can maybe send you to sleep. But you know, Pharaoh said, yes, go. Go and worship, but don't go very far. And then later on in chapter 10, there verses 8 to 10, he says, go, but leave your families here. And then again in verses 24 to 27 of chapter 10, he says, go. But leave your possessions, leave your livestock, leave everything so that I know you're coming back. That's the way Pharaoh saw worship. To worship God was a half-hearted thing for Pharaoh. And he expected Israel to do the same. You don't need to go fully after God. You don't need to surrender your life to the Lord. You don't need to give your heart to Jesus. You don't need to ask Jesus into your life and that he'll change your emotions and your desires and the purpose of your life. Oh, no, don't get into all that. Just go to church. That's it. That was Pharaoh. But Moses responds and he says, not a hoof shall be left behind. What Moses was saying is, no, God is calling us to worship him, to follow him. We're to follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, we're to surrender all 
I am his and he is mine. All that I am and all that I have belongs to the Lord. Everything I own is his. It's, it's a gift from God. My life, my breath, my family, my possessions, the things that I've been blessed with in my life. These are gifts from God. They're his. And I just worship him. And I thank him with all my heart, with all my soul. Lord, oh, that you would reveal your power in me. For there is none like you. And so Moses declares, no. If we're going to worship God, we've got to be wholehearted. We've got to fully follow the Lord. But of course, poor Pharaoh, he's not ready to give up on his idols. And he's not ready to give up on his, on his people. He calls these Hebrews his people. And then God comes to Pharaoh. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. Yes, God humiliates the deities of Egypt. He humbles the proud Pharaoh. But now notice, God honors his covenant promise and he sets his people free. God is almighty, he's powerful, he's sovereign. Yet Moses came to see that God is also compassionate. He's tender, he's loving, he's kind, he's so long-suffering. He cares about us, he cares about the burdens that we carry, he cares about the things that enslave us. He really cares, he loves you and me. And so God honors his promise. I will set you free. This morning, the Lord desires that we would come to him and that we would worship him, not with our lips only, but with our hearts, that we would worship him with all our heart so that we would lay down our sins Lay down your sins. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your problems. Lay down all the thoughts that just trouble you. Would you lay all at the feet of Jesus this morning? And will you just be set free just to worship him? Come to the one who really loves you. Will you come to Jesus this morning? That he would touch your life afresh. That you would know his love, his joy, his forgiveness, his mercy, his amazing grace. Whether you're a Christian this morning or maybe today you, you're not sure where you are. Can I just encourage you all? Oh, let's go to the Lord. And may we rededicate our lives. Or for others, maybe that you would commit your life to following the Lord fully. Oh, can we do that this morning as we journey to freedom? And so let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come into your presence once again, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the children that are here this morning, Lord. And we just pray a special blessing upon them, Lord. 
Lord, we just pray that as they go to Sunday Club to learn more about you, Lord, that you will touch their hearts. That they might grow up to be followers of Jesus. And we pray too, Lord, for the Sunday School teachers, Lord, we just pray that you will give them wisdom and give them a heart for the children, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship here, Lord, and we just pray that as we are bowed in your presence, Lord, that you will move among us, Lord, and you will meet whatever need we have. Lord, you set us free from the things that would hold us back, and we thank you for that, that we can come to you and speak to you. Lord, we pray for those in our fellowship, Lord, who are unwell at this time. Uh, we think of those who are in hospital, have been in hospital. We pray especially for, for David Wilson and for Anne McClellan, Lord. We just pray a special blessing upon them, Lord, that you will help them and be with them as they recover. And Lord, we, we remember those who used to come to church, Lord, but for some reason or other, Lord, are unable to do so. Lord, those who may be elderly and housebound, Lord, we just ask you to be close to them. Bless them, Lord. Lord, for those who have perhaps momentarily or turned their back on you, Lord, Lord, we just pray that you will renew their faith and you will cause them, Lord, to want to come back to meet with you. Lord, we pray for revival in our community. Lord, a fresh move of the Holy Spirit, bringing people who don't know you into the church, Lord, into your fellowship. We think too, Lord, of the things that are going on in our country just now, Lord, the, the energy crisis, the cost of living crisis. Lord, there just seems to be one crisis after the other. Lord, we just pray that you will help us get through this, Lord. And for the people in power who make decisions, Lord, we, we ask you to give them wisdom. Lord, we pray for this missing dog walker, Lord, who just seems to have disappeared, Lord. We just pray that, you know, she'll be found healthy and well, Lord. And Lord, as we think of the wider planet, Lord, and the, the troubles and strife that's going on, Lord, we pray for the situation in Ukraine, Lord. Lord, the escalation of, of the troubles, Lord, on both sides of Ukraine getting more and more tanks to fight back and the Russians threaten, threatening the West and places out with Ukraine. Lord, we just pray for your peace, Lord. And Lord, we think too of the shooting down of this spy balloon of China over America, Lord. We just pray that that won't escalate into anything worse. Lord, there are so many things that trouble us. So many things that would cause us to be worried and concerned. But we thank you, Lord, that you're with us, that you're our comforter, that you're with us at all times, and that we can turn to you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord, and we ask you to take them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing.
in our closing hymn this is a beautiful hymn stand up stand up for jesus ye soldiers of the cross So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.